Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. We are back live here on our big broadcast, Coast to Coast, Border to Border on iHeartRadio. Also, AMFM247.com, TuneIn, iTunes, and of course, Spotify. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. He joins us live here on the telephone. John Douglas is with us, and uh, he has a brand new book, The Killer's Shadow, and he joins us today here on a big broadcast. How are you, John? Uh, very well, James. Thanks for having me. Now, this book is incredible. Tell me a little bit about the writing process. Well, the, um, the publisher actually is, is interested in me in doing a series of, uh, of books with him, Harper Collins. And um, I did one uh, last year, uh, The Killer Across the Table, that gets into how I go into the prisons and conduct interviews and how the, what the preparation is. Uh, for these different types of uh, offenders, not not always killers, but could be rapists. Uh, but this one, I discussed with them. It's really unusual, and it had really nothing to do really with at that time. We started over, even putting it together about a year ago, uh, with the times right now. But it was a case that really, if anyone has read Mindhunter, and also if they've seen the Netflix series with the Atlanta child killings, uh, this case comes right before that. This one here is going to be a, a difference maker as to whether or not I will be able to proceed with this research program that, that I was doing, where I'd go into prisons and, and conduct uh, interviews from an investigative perspective. And um, the offender's name is Joseph Paul Franklin, and I never had a case like this. He was, was a racist, serial killer, anti-Semitic, uh, killing over 20 people. Uh, Law enforcement wasn't able to really tie in cases of his throughout the United States because there were always some differences. The different different weapons uh, were used uh, in each each of the uh, the cases. Uh, while the victims, there was like I said, there could be Jews, it could be mixed couples, or, or uh, a African American male by himself who's going to be shot and, and killed. It was it, uh, no one put it together until he was finally caught in Kentucky. And when he was caught in Kentucky, uh, uh, the, uh, they had him in, in a special holding area uh, when one of the investigators who was with him decided to leave to talk to another investigator. And at that point, Franklin escapes, and now no one knows where he is, and now he's going to become a top ten fugitive in the Civil Rights Division. Now, they will contact me at Quantico because they they know I've been doing this other research on uh, serial offenders, uh, serial killers, where there's generally, a, there's a, uh, there's, these are crimes of anger and power, but with the other cases I was interviewing, uh, the subjects, those cases, there was a sexual component. Here we don't have any kind of a sexual component. So the agent in civil rights contacts me. We were together at, uh, in Milwaukee Division on uh, the same SWAT team. Says, hey, John, you think you can help us out on this? We have no idea where he is in the United States, and we don't know where to put our resources. And I said, well, I don't know. This will be a first for me, but let me go take a look. I'll come up, and I'll get the files. So I went up to headquarters, gathered all the files, and I carry them on down to uh, uh, Quantico, and uh, I have a 
24 hours to come up with an analysis as to where we should put the resources and do a kind of a this is your life, Joseph Paul Franklin, noting his strengths, his weaknesses, potential, his vulnerabilities, trends uh, uh, that uh, he may follow now you know, in the future that will help us identify him. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. He joins us live here on our big broadcast. John Douglas is with us. The Killer's Shadow is the latest from him, and he joins us today here on our big program. So uh, what's been some some feedback or, or some uh, reviews that you've got on the book so far? Very, you know, very good. Uh, very good reviews. Cause it's, it's a different... Uh, a different kind of case that uh, uh, those are interested in profiling or do, doing assessments of how it's done and uh, the mindset uh, of uh, that I have to put myself through and then the mindset of an offender like this and and really it was you would have thought this would have been maybe a period piece 1980 that we would never have anything like this again but we do have cases like this all the all the the, uh, the time. Uh, particularly in, in the last, uh, you know, se- even several years, the hate crimes were popping up all over. And, and, and when you look back at this case, as far as an investigation, it, it, to me, uh, it's somewhat easier. Although this, he was, uh, he was fairly sophisticated. Uh, uh, Franklin was, and, and would file down the IDs on the uh, on the rifles that he would shoot shoot people with. Even he'd leave them at the scene. Plus, he was traveling all over the country, but. But you have an individual you can assess, and and when he was mem- had membership in the Ku Klux Klan, American Nazi Party, you have an organization where you can you can target certain people, to, and if you want to take down the organization, you know specifically who to who to go after. Today, it's extremely difficult. Uh, he would have uh, Franklin had a field day today with the internet. There are so many sites that uh, where. Whatever your hatred is, whatever your belief system is, you'll be able to, to find it. When we all went to uh, years ago, growing up, we had one, pretty much one media source, so we all would listen to the same media. Uh, today, the media now has become uh, like uh, talking heads, and, and they're on 24 hours a day, and, and they're given opinion pieces here. So the Internet, same thing. You can find something on the Internet to support your belief system, if it's hatred, you could find it. So it, so you're dealing with somebody who may be running a website who has this, this bitterness, hatred, and has you know, some mission that they would like someone to carry out. They won't necessarily do it, but they'll, they may be able to stir the pot and uh, get somebody like uh, Franklin who will uh, who'll end up uh, being the so-called lone wolf. And that's exactly how he evolved himself, uh, Franklin, uh, how he morphed into this lone wolf uh, serial killer. We have a tremendous guest with us today. John Douglas is with us. Mind Hunter, the, the Mind Hunter himself is back. He's got a brand new forthcoming book, The Killer's Shadow, and it is a amazing, amazing book. So where, where do you see this book going? What are some of your goals for this book? Well, I mean, I think it's educational. Uh, I, I always, even with the other books that I've written, it's not just to you know, tell, you know, scary stories and things like that, but it's educational and uh, identifying characteristics of people who may perpetrate the, uh, certain types of, of violent crimes. You can certainly look in the background of Joseph Paul Franklin and see his upbringing. It, was, it wasn't uh, if he was going to commit violent crime. It was, it was going to be when and what types of violent crimes would he perpetrate. 
Uh, he was raised in an extremely violent, dysfunctional family, much like the other offenders who, who I, I've interviewed, abused by his father, abused by his, his uh, mother. Uh, father would, would, uh, would, would beat him to a, to a pulp. Uh, what was really interesting when I did the S1I, when he was a kid, he was playing with a window shade, and a spring in the shade popped out and struck him in the eye. His mother, who he hated to begin with, uh, he, uh, would take him to the emergency room, and the doctors there temporarily fixed his eye, but they said, hey, look, you've got to bring him back in a couple of months, and we can save the eye. The mother didn't do that. The mother never took him back, and, and he ended up losing the eye, and then... He overcompensated for this, and he had this bitterness, this hatred, and he, he has to get it out of his system. So he takes up a, a shooting, firearms, becomes a crackerjack shot, um, wanted to be a police officer, and then he realizes he cannot be a police officer because he, he he, he's lost an eye. So he has this bitterness, hatred to the world, drops out of high school, starts joining the KKK, other these radical uh, you know, groups, learns that these groups are pretty much infiltrated by FBI or FBI informants, and they're a bunch of, a bunch of drunks who just talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. They, they talk about hatred. They don't talk about violence, but they don't do anything. So he ends up leaving the organization, and really that was the, the, kind of the birth of the, the so-called lone wolf. And, he's, and uh, he will adapt and develop into a serial bank robber. He would uh, become this excellent uh, uh, shot in, in uh, firearms. Uh, you know, as as well, and and his first case would be just macing a, a interracial couple in a car up in Maryland, and uh, it started with, with that. But then he said, "That's uh, you know, it's too dangerous. I may get caught." So then he he began to become much more mobile and uh, start using high-powered uh, rifles. He then was a bomber. He had bombed a rabbi's uh, house, thinking the rabbi was home and his family, but they were gone because it blew the blew the place uh, up, and, uh, and at the time, it's like I said, no one was able to put all these cases together in, in the United States because he was moving from city to city, different weapons, um, you know, victims, you know, the, yeah, they're minorities, but he, that, he couldn't do it. And uh, the other thing is we have 17,000 different law enforcement agencies in the United States, and back then we didn't really have a, any kind of a computer system that could where we could talk to each other and share information like we can, uh, you know, today. So uh, he was, he, he was uh, uh, a, a challenge, a challenge to, uh, a, a, but the assessment I did turned out to be very successful. And then I would later, about eight years later, along with Secret Service agent, uh, uh, we would go interview assassins in our country, go around, and, and he was, or the assassin personality, and he was uh, one of the ones that we, we talked to at Marion uh, Penitentiary. Amazing, just amazing. You 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 have put together a really cool book here, my friend. Well, th- th- yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, there's a lot a lot of stories, just like in the, the Mindhunter Netflix series. Hopefully, there'll be more there'll be more years. Uh, the show is supposed to have a five year arc to it, and we, now we don't know if Finch is going to be coming back or what he wants he he wants to do, but. Uh, there's certainly, even like the, even how it ended uh, the, in season two with the Atlanta child killings. There's so much more to the case that they could build on how it ended season two. Because I, I also got involved in the uh, interview interrogation techniques or how to cross-examine Williams. I should say when he when he would take the stand 
which I end up doing. I coach the prosecution on how to break him down on the stand to show the jurors that he had this potential for violence. And, uh, and that's exactly what uh, he ended up doing uh, as far as the techniques. He employed these techniques, and, and Williams just went crazy on the stand. The, uh, the attorney, Jack Mallard, uh, real southern drawl kind of guy, uh, got up to Williams because Williams the day before testified, and the prosecutor or the defense attorney said, look at these hands, look at these hands. Are these the hands that can, that can kill Look at this. He's a Pillsbury Doughboy. He can't, he's not, doesn't fit the profile. So I took that and I, I said, okay, Jack, Jack Mallard, the, the, the prosecuting attorney, I said, you can touch the hands too. You can go up to him when you touch his hands in a real low voice. Say, what was it like, Wayne, when you wrap your fingers around Terry Pugh's throat? Did you panic, Wayne? Did you panic? And in a weak voice, he says, no. And then all of a sudden he catches himself. He just he just confessed to a crime, crime. So he he then gets up, stands up, starts screaming and yelling, pointing his finger over at me. I know you got that FBI profile here, and you're trying to get me to fit it, but you, I'm not going to fit your profile. And the jurors are there uh, watching with their mouths wide open, saying, "Holy mackerel! Look at this! The Pillsbury Doughboy has this potential for violence, uh, you know, in him." <laughs> so tell us a little bit about. Uh some of the words what, what what makes some of these rage-filled speeches and some of these extremists involved in the deadly action talk to us a little bit about this well you're talking about the, the, if it could be a political figure i mean words have have power and meaning and and uh, maybe words could be good words could be uh, you know bad and and um, particularly you know in politics i mean you can you may say something. Oh, Kelly, we had we had in Charlottesville, Virginia. Here, uh, I live in Virginia, and down in Charlottesville, uh, you know, three years ago, we had you know uh, hate groups uh, marching uh, in town there and chanting "Jews will not replace us" and "Blood and soil." And there were slogans that date back into uh, you know, Nazi Germany, and and uh, no one, no no one would. You can't predict if there will be a violence out of that group. But sure enough, there was one individual who drives his car, you know, into the crowd and he kills a woman. Well, you know, and I don't want to get political, but as a president, say as a president, you you cannot make statements like, you know, there's good and good people in everybody, you know, good people on both on both sides, because because the size, the side that wants and supports this violence will take that, uh, you know, will take that and, and and use that as a reference. And hey, we got the support, you know, and and he's on our side. And 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 uh, so you have to be, you have to be really uh, careful. And the same thing goes with, you know, I'll go to the other side. We have, okay, it's Trump said that. And the other side, years earlier, when you have Hillary Clinton calling groups of people deplorables, so you have that's a, that's a pretty powerful negative statement, you know, to make. And people, you may, you know, people can take it. Or leave it, but you have other people can't take it, and they're going to, uh, you know, they'll uh, they'll you know strike back. So you have to be, uh, you know, extremely uh, careful. And that's what, again what makes the internet so dangerous today, because you can anyone can set start up a a site. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. Uh, we've been told of, of these hate, uh, 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 anti-racial sites, uh, uh, hate groups, and uh, they can spew this this vile. Language and what their mission is, and, and and a person can be driven to that. It could be a whole bunch of people, 
and some may just listen to it, but someone else may, may take it to heart. And how can this little inadequate nobody, you know, what can I do now? Because I feel alienation. I feel isolation. I, you know, I have a questioning, you know, my identity. And, uh, you know, what can I do to, to, to become a somebody? And what you can do is you can uh, do what, you know, Franklin did. And, and uh, uh, the killer's shadow, he cast a, sh- a shadow, even though he's dead now. He's, he was executed in 2013. Remember down in Charleston, South Carolina, we had you know, Dylan Roof down there, 21-year-old, you know, uh, depressed, out of, out of work, uh, goes into an African-American church down there while having a Bible study, ends up killing uh, uh, the minister, a total of nine people you know, there. And uh, what his mission was, he, he was a supporter of Franklin. Uh, he, 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 like Franklin, was hoping that their actions will commit, commit a, a race war. Uh, Franklin, as a matter of fact, uh, wanted to know about uh, Charles Manson, who I interviewed a couple of times, and because he, he admired him and how he was able to get other people to carry out the, uh, you know, the deeds that, that he wanted to create this race war and uh, wondered how he could do that. Well, Manson had a very, very charismatic you know, type of personality. He's, he was a profiler himself on how to, uh, how to assess people, look for the weaknesses, the vulnerabilities. So he had it pretty easy uh, in, in getting these, uh, these people and holding them together. Uh, Franklin does not have that charismatic type personality. So he, he decided he'd go out and do the actions himself and hoping that others would follow suit you know, in, the, in the future. We have got a tremendous guest with us today. John Douglas is with us. The Killer's Shadow is the latest from him. So, John, how do, how do we find you online and social media, get your book, everything? Oh, well, the, yeah, the book uh, is, is out today. It, it comes out uh, today. The, uh, you can get any, anywhere, bookstores or Amazon. Uh, we, I'm on Facebook. I'm, you know, I'm on that. I have contact information you know, there as well. In fact, I even... People send they want to send me a self-addressed envelope, uh, and and I, I, I give out uh, autographed photographs for them, for the family members uh, or their children. It's just amazing. The thing that amazes me, James, is that I, I have letters from young kids who, you know, 12 years of age, they want to be a profiler when they they get older, and it's just it's it's amazing how they. Yeah, but I have to be realistic with them to say, you know, there's very few people will do this. And do you really un- know uh, what it's like, you know, uh, psychologically uh, to do this kind of work day in and day out? And I said, yeah, uh, if you read Mindhunter, the first book that we did, you'll, you'll see that I nearly died on, on a case uh, of uh, viral encephalitis but my, because my immune system was so broken and I was just so burned out from the... Uh, the the work that I fell into a, uh, a coma, collapsed in a hotel room with a "Do Not Disturb" sign on the door, and and I uh, told the agents on it. It was like a, a Wednesday. Come get me Friday. We'll go back to. We'll head on back home. Here's what you do before the task force. So they went out. I I put the "Not Disturb" sign on my door, and I ended up I had tremendous headaches, and, and uh, I was just I couldn't sleep. I was just dreaming stuff all the time, and I co- collapsed on the floor. And two days later, they kick in the door, and, no one, uh, and they find me in a coma. My, my body temperature between 104 and 107, and, and uh, it split the right side of my brain, put me, uh, put me in a coma for a week and came out of it paralyzed. And then uh, 
came home in a wheelchair, and my daughters saw me, and uh, they were very, very young. And uh, every time after that, uh, months and months later, when I, I was five months later after I went through rehab, if I had to leave on a case, they would get really, you know, upset. So, so it's the job could be very, very hazardous to, you know, one's health. But, but you know, people you know, watch television, and it's it's a totally different. I think Mindhunter series is more. It, get, it gets more into it. My character, he has the. Uh, yeah, he's kind of breaking down uh, himself a little bit, uh, a, a little bit more exaggerated than I was. Uh, with he's got you know, these anxiety attacks, uh, but it's more, much more realistic. And the the interview process very intimidating. Going into these in, uh, uh, these environments, conducting uh, conducting these interviews, dealing with victims of violent crime. I mean, out by you, uh, I've done cases and. Famous case, the Ramsey case, right, uh, in, in Boulder, Colorado, and, and uh, very, very stressful. Uh, any of these kind of cases, and dealing with with victims' families, and dealing with you know life and death, and and then particularly in cases where you know we're trying to have give some closure you know, by an arrest, but not really a mental closure, an arrest closure by trying to come up with a suspect. Um, plus the other thing too, James was when I was developing this in the early days, didn't have the necessarily uh, the support within the FBI initially, as well as law enforcement thought this was, you know, witchcraft. You know, in the late 1970s when you when you're doing this, and and so you know it's not Jack Webb where it was just just the facts, ma'am, just the facts on Dragnet. Here you're giving you're giving a, a theory, you're giving a, a, of of what happened. You're reconstructing the crime. As to, the, as to the type of person, uh, and you're not psychic. You're not uh, psychic. Just you're reconstructing based upon the elements of the crime and, and the crime victim, and, and what happened to the you know, what happened to the victim, what the medical examiner came up with in the forensic uh, in, his, in the medical uh, autopsy. Uh, so it's uh, you know it's, it's but it's it's it, the job. You know, Trying to tell me it could be hazardous to your health. So have a have a fallback. Uh, Career, uh, be ready because this, you know, this is not, you know, it's not, uh, you know, a fun and games necessarily. Well, it has been an honor and a privilege to chat with you, my friend. I, I appreciate you making time for us today and coming on. Thank you, my man. Uh, oh, thanks, James. Really appreciate it. Definitely. Have, have yourself a wonderful day, John. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. You too, sir. Thank you, my man. There he goes, John Douglas, and uh, <laughs> heck of a book, The Killer's Shadow. And that wraps it up here. We're back after this. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.